Forget serverless. How about stackless? That's right. You're about to hear about stackless. This is Scott Jones, who's the chief scientist and co-founder of Stackless. They're doing some really, really fantastic stuff around really getting to the core problem that we've been trying to solve for literally decades in tech. We move from centralized to distributed to cloud to platform as a service and containers, and we kept moving further up the stack, but we kind of forgot along the way what we were really trying to solve. So Scott's doing some really, really neat stuff with his team over at Stackless, and you definitely got to check it out. Follow the links below. And of course, even though you're pushing business logic to production with using amazing tools like Stackless, what you do got to do is protect that business logic however you can. How are you backing yourself up? I know how you should back it up by the amazing friends that are great supporters of this podcast, our friends over at Veeam. If you want to go check out vee.am forward slash discoposity, they got everything you need for your data protection needs, including on-premises, cloud, containerized, heck, even your Office 365, Salesforce, whatever it is. If you're a startup, if you're a tech company, if you're whoever you are, any enterprise, small business, you name it, they've got the needs solved for you and everything for data protection, ransomware, disaster recovery, business continuity. My goodness, that sounds pretty intense. You should go check it out. Go to vee.am forward slash disco posse. Let them know old disco sent you. Oh, right on. Speaking of protecting yourself, the economy's in the tank. And I say it kind of tongue in cheek, but the truth is we really need to think about how to most aggressively get your platform and your product out to a potential customer base. Best way to do that, find the most elite sales professionals that you can get through the team at Shift Group. So if you go to shiftgroup.io, you can check out what JR and his team are doing around making sure that they can take the best people, elite athletes and turning them into elite technology sales professionals everything from sdrs to aes they not only deliver you the people they deliver you the program they deliver continuous education it really really is culture and results such a fantastic group so definitely go check it out go to shiftgroup.io and of course get some coffee while you're at it go to diabolicalcoffee.com oh you need the best content people in the world go to gtm delta all right let's check it out this is scott jones I'm Scott Jones, and I'm the president and chief scientist of Stackless Web Services Incorporated, and you're listening to the Disco Posse podcast. that we begin scott this has been i'll say something i've been super eager to do because we've talked in the past about what it is that you're doing which is super interesting to me and i'm also equally if not even more interested in your like personal journey that led you to this we sort of mirror a lot of things of I, I see a lot of what you do and what you've done that brought you here. And it's super cool to me because I feel like, hey, you know, it's I've lived sort of some of the journey and a lot of folks that listen also are going to be in that same, you know, 
whatever range of, of weirdness that we choose to be in the technology world. <laughs> so, uh, but before we jump into the the big stuff about you and Stackless and what's going on, for folks that are new to you, if you don't mind, let's just give a quick intro and uh, what your background is, and then we'll uh, we'll start talking about what the Stackless uh, platform is. Okay. Yeah. So um, my background, um, rather, I'm I'm a software engineer. Um, and been been really involved with uh, software on the East Coast, uh, software architecture design uh, with startups and big big fintech financial technology companies and health tech companies um, on the East Coast uh, for uh, about twenty years. About twenty years. So. Now the the fun thing about doing software engineering and then ultimately leading to you creating a platform the favorite thing i see in what will become a successful startup story is the best platforms are ones that are built by people who have profoundly experienced the problem themselves right now it doesn't there are many folks that can start something with a team of people who can understand an idea and they do a lot of customer surveys and and they can they can create an opportunity but I, on my belief, and it's kind of what my own platform, my company is about, is a true lived experience and lived pain that you translate into a solution you build for yourself. And it just so happens when you show it to other people, they're like, oh, dang, that's pretty cool. I also have this problem. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about your, what is the problem that people experience that led you to do what you do today? Okay. Um, really short. I got sick to death of writing yet another API endpoint. Um, that's that's the short of it, right? Uh, the the little bit longer is that um, I noticed that business developers, it, it, web developers, people that are developing uh, business solutions, um, they just want to build. Um, software that provides a service for their business. That's their job, right, in the end. Um, and over the years, I'd say since the late 90s, um, early 2000s, um, the, the extra minutia that they've had to do to accomplish the littlest things um, has just increased uh, just way too much um, to the point where I think if, if this was if this was a, a, another if this was like medicine, okay, and medicine had gotten as complex as it has, it it, it would specialize, right? And then you have radiation oncologists that are uh, that are one very specific type of doctor uh, because it's just so complicated. Um, software engineering, we don't we don't really have that luxury. That's why full stack is a thing um, because you 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 can't really just be a specialist and stay gainfully employed. Um, so I, I the, the the pain is that building business solutions has just become very, very, very complex um, with the advent of the cloud and then the edge and then um, now machine learning and trying to integrate all those things together. It's just too much. It's just too much. Um, so, yeah. How's that? I, I love the 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 medical analogies. If you think of in the startup world, it would be like having your chief surgeon be like, "Hey, we're a little light in the cafeteria. I need, we need your help." Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it truly it, and even in engineering teams, not even just in startups. Like obviously, startups 
startups are, are a neat place because it's like an island that's created from a society that naturally forms hierarchies and naturally forms, you know, setting up what needs to get done and divvying it up with the available people that are there. And it starts with one and then two and then four and whatever. Like in society, we try to like reorganize and it's really difficult to reorganize. And I think that's why the startup approach and this whole idea of, you know, why do why does a small why can a small company move faster, better, you know, than than some other large organization is because they do not have the sort of preset limits, nor do they have the 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 sort of freedom to just let something not occur. It's like, well, we just got to get this done, and that creativity, that drive, allows you to just immediately say, "Is what I'm doing the most important thing that I can do?" And you have to start to shed the stuff that's you it's know, not necessary. Yeah, it and, to the bottom and, line. Yeah, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, um, like with with a startup, it's it, it's it's all about um, delivering value, delivering value, delivering value, right? Um, and, and to me, as a, as a developer, that coincides with business logic, right? Value is business logic um, in, in general. When 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 I'm writing software that I'm going to give to 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 a client um, or to you know my job, um, it's the, I, I am judged based on whether it functions as they expect um, and it does the things that they want. Not whether um, whether I chose the newest um, React syntax, um, yeah. you know, and and don't get me wrong, all that stuff is it's fun to keep keep up with. Um, it's just uh, it, sometimes I feel like I feel like it tends to get in the way where it wasn't really necessarily the point, you know. I think there was a one of the most popular movements probably in the last well, not most popular, a very well-known phrase that led to a movement and, and is very popular is this idea of no code, right? But oh, when yeah. I see no code, I think no credit card limit is it's what you need because <laughs> every no code solution I have is is not inexpensive, right? And this is that weird dichotomy of like, cool, it solved a particular problem and they said it has a value and people are willing to pay that value. Fantastic. Love that. However, it actually tried to, it's hiding the problem. It's hiding the fact that you have people who can do code. Why is it hard to get code to production? Why is it hard to get from prototype to product? It wasn't the fact that it was you, code writing was the problem. It was the fact that putting code in a place where it could exist and getting rid of the stuff that was baseline and getting rid of the infrastructure coding, getting rid of all this like preparation for what eventually is this little nugget in the middle. That's that little, it's that center of the Ferrero Rocher, that soft gooey center that comes out with that hazelnutty goodness. Yeah. That's business logic. Right. And like the whole thing we've done is we've sent it out there the way that a, a spaceship has all these extra shields because there's that little tiny meat pocket in the middle. It's got to get to earth and you put all this crap around it so that you can get the meat pocket home. <laughs> I can't That's say business ever, logic. I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't say I've ever called business logic a meat pocket. But yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I call it the stuff that does stuff. Right. You know. Um, you know. It's. Uh, I feel. I feel like uh, in 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 
the reality that we have now, software developers in 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 a, in a post GPT four world, um, I feel like I feel like developers are going to have to. We, we're all going to have to focus on our strengths, and that's and that's being a member of a business, and then learning what business problems we can solve, um, and then and then designing solutions based on you know this our gigantic body of knowledge right um and and i think i think uh it's really the difference between a programmer and a software engineer or software developer right um yeah. it's it's the ability to to create an amalgam of of a number of different small solutions putting them in together and then building a business um business i could stop there business logic you know what i mean just solutions yeah. so the one thing that's an interesting problem and why we have to be a little provocative and we're going to be provocative today. We're going to, we're going to make some people angry and that's kind of what we need to do. I think you need to almost, you need to be a little bit feisty about why the problem stinks on ice, right? Like we, we as humans have a fairly decent level of accepting kind of bad stuff because we, it's, it's sort of the, the, the frogs, you know, the boiling frog sort of scenario where yeah. like it gently rises and we just generally accept it uh, yeah. until it eventually just fatal. And then when we get into technologists, we have a disturbingly high pain tolerance for just stuff that doesn't need to occur. But I'll say it's, it's not because <laughs> yeah, it's not because it's a, it's a weird thing. It's not because we just, there's no alternative we are the worst kind of humans ever because we actually enjoy the pain. It's not even the high pain tolerance. You're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to make it. You're like, no, no, no. Like we kind of want it to suck a bit. We, if you go to the boardroom for JPMC, maybe not that, but anyways, like I would say a, the board of directors, people who have no connection to technology, and then you go to put the presentation up on the TV at the end of the boardroom table and it comes up and it says no input. You're going to see 14 people who have no connection to technology, immediate start tech troubleshooting. Have you tried, tried uh, try the HDMI too. check the, where's the remote? Like we as humans have this kind of love of technology. We get turned on by making a small thing, do a thing for us. And so I think that's where we've gotten stuck is that we not only have accepted this base level of pain about doing more stuff that's not actually business value, but the the silly thing is that we've actually kind of learned to love that that thing can kind of turn us on. That's a dopamine hit of like, hey, I, I figured out how to put something on, on serverless. And you're like, but what did you put on serverless? And and what is what are you going to do with it from now forward? Right. So uh, <laughs> it's interesting you say that because one of the things I've talked about um, in the past is is my industry's fixation on on being extremely pedantic about minutia. OK, like um, rest. Wh what is and is not restful. OK, <laughs> who gives a crap? I mean, come on. It's if there's more than four verbs, that's fine. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like at all, you know, and like no, I, I I understand why it needs to be uh, discoverable and all these types of things. But you know, to 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 have to have arguments 
with anyone at all um, about about the, the casing of of um, of your arguments to your endpoints is is ridiculous. Okay, um, but but the thing is, is we as engineers, we love we love to debate and be pedantic about things that in general don't really matter to the business. Uh, and and it, I it, I think that kind of goes in with what you're saying is is it's because it's something we can control, right? We see so many things outside of our control that we're just sitting there and the you know and the world is burning up around us. And we're just like, you know what? I'm going to complain about uh, the casing on JSON arguments or casing on um, RESTful endpoints. Um, Cabs versus spaces. Let's exactly. get down to the heart of it. Exactly. <laughs> Forget about, you know, left versus right. Tabs versus spaces will be the true thing that tears society apart. It's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vim versus Emacs, though, I think Vim is one. Hey, <laughs> If you, I'm going to ask you that question, and the answer could end in me hitting the red X on this uh, Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very judgy on that. Yeah, Sublime so versus VS Code. Oh, hey now. <laughs> I like VS Code. It's pretty great. I, uh, I'll tell you on that one. It's funny. I've, I like Sublime Code for the exact reason of pain tolerance because I've been using Sublime Text for a long time. I was a notepad person for that point. Like I was, I was that, Wait, I was that pedantic. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm super old school. So I was like, yeah. so my, my, my hilarious thing was like, I was a VI kid early yeah. on. And uh, even I was like, I don't even type the M I'm old school. I'm super, I like VI. I don't need him. I don't need an improved. I need just VI. But yeah. when it came to, you know, most of my stuff was windows based. And so I was, I was notepad. And there was all these, like, you can get Notepad Plus, like even just tiny improvements. And for me, it was, it wasn't because I'm trying to be some kind of hipster weirdo that I'm going to use the, like, the simplest product or the most unexciting product. Mm -hmm. For me, it was because if I blew away a system and I installed it again, it already came with the product that I need. And then when I got to, like, okay, I'm going to try a, you know, an, not even an IDE, but like more a more fulsome editor. And I learned about sublime text and I really kind of learned to enjoy it. There was no VS code at the time. And so I just got so used to it, right? I was doing sublime text and it was cross-platform. So it met all the requirements I had. It had context highlighting, it had syntax, you know, everything that I needed was there. It even, then it got type ahead. It got some really neat stuff. And then of course, VS code came along and everybody was like, all in and i was sort of stuck i'm like oh dang like this is cool i get that but i'm like but i like my i have muscle memory for key combinations and for macro stops and like certain things that i was just they were like baked into my brain yeah. and so it took me a long time i was same with mysql to postgres like it was there's the only reason i didn't switch earlier was because I knew all the commands in MySQL right. off the top of my head. Right. <laughs> I still have to look up how to do, uh, you know, so I still have to look up the simplest possible commands, you know, for PSQL constantly. But I'm like, I just have to, I have to do it. I have to like make the jump. And it's, that was that weird thing of like, and I think when we look at the pattern you're talking about, we have to look at the fundamentals of the pattern, the pattern of, where we spend our effort and how we deploy and then continue to operate code. Right. That is the real problem. We we think we've got 
the deployment problem, the hosting problem solved, but never think about, okay, what's next, right? What happens when you got to upgrade this thing? All of a sudden you're, you're in the business of operations again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we we were talking, uh, I I, I mentioned earlier, you know, we're we're in a post GPT-4 world and it's, yeah, you can, you can go to it and you can describe a microservice to it that you want. You can describe to it um, a front end that you want to connect to said microservice. You can do all those things. Um, but the problem is, is after it's given you that code, you're on the hook for that code. Right. right. You're, it's like asking to write an I love you letter for your your potential partner. Like, you better hope it's right. <laughs> Because you're betting it, you're betting your future on it. That's right. That's right. And and I, I'm you know I'm not I'm not calling into question whether it's it's correct or not. It's it's you know when it when it gives you that much logic, it, it, it it's really in my mind it's kind of the same thing as scaffolding systems. It's really just scaffolding. It's really just template generation. I mean we 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 had this um, you know when Visual Studio came out um umpteen billion years ago and you could create a project right uh yeah. and it's it, it's pretty much the same type of deal you know where where it's it's i mean granted granted it's, it's extremely advanced um but the thing is is it's it's bespoke right it's it's bespoke um scaffolding that you kind of have to go through line by line to make sure that it's something that you want to support and that you understand it. Um, because, because GPT-4 isn't going to maintain that system. It's not going to keep your business running at 3 a.m. You know, it's, it, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to uh, give, give it a negative review. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you eventually like, so all we're going to end up doing is if this is, so this is the silly thing. So the, the, the nerd in me would think like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a, uh, a way to generate, you know, a function that I can tie to a voice assistant that can tell chat GPT to, to do a thing. And that's funny. Like we as nerds will probably end up doing that thing for the only reason just to prove that we can do it. Right. We'll say like, Hey, Google, Make sure that the uh, we restart the, <laughs> yeah, the the server on Thursday at eleven fifty nine. Like yeah. we we will actually get excited about doing that stuff, but in the end, the people that fund our lives, the job we do, right. we should care really hard about doing what matters. Like it's cool that as an education, as an intellectual exploration, I should understand all the way up to the point where the business logic is the most important thing. I it's nothing wrong with understanding the foundations. And it's like same thing. Like you said, if I generate it with something else, I have to understand it. But I shouldn't want to spend time doing it, but I do have to understand it. And that's why getting rid of the the what? doing does not get rid of the the bait the the need it it right. need you right. still need to understand and support and be able to comfortably build that and we said like GPT like the LLM and the code generation it's fantastic just the way that juggling is fantastic but that doesn't mean that you can trust that if you read a right. book on juggling that you will be able to juggle if there's a you know someone threatens your life. <laughs> and I so just moving forward a little bit, I, I think 
I think what I tried to accomplish or what we, what we tried to accomplish at Stackless um, with Estate is making it so you can start from the business logic and stop at the business logic. And you don't have to scaffold because there's nothing to scaffold. There's nothing, there's no boilerplate that must be generated and subsequently maintained. Um, you create your business logic based on your business problems and your business, you know, and what solutions need to be accomplished. Um, and it just takes it from there. Whereas with ChatGPT to accomplish the same thing, you would describe it with this giant prompt in multiple different ways. And then you'd have to stitch that together. Um, but the thing is, is ChatGPT doesn't understand your business domain, nor I don't think you would want it to. <laughs> um, but with a state, it's 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 different. It's you know you start from the domain model, rather you just start with types that you write that make sense um, for your business problem, um, and it doesn't really do code generation so much as it just builds out the infrastructure from your code. It's it's almost like the TypeScript that you write in the service that runs in Estate is the prompt, right? It's like you know when you go to ChatGPT and you type out this, you know, what are we at now? Twenty five hundred words or something like that now with with the new yeah, one, yeah. right? That's insane. Um, with this, you write one hundred and five lines of TypeScript, and that sort of hydrates an entire backend system for you. Uh, with it's an it has an embedded key value store strongly typed TypeScript database, right? Um, it has microservices. Uh, it has uh, server sent events, so you can send stuff from the back end to the front end, from the back end to any number of front ends at the same time, right? I mean, yeah, you could go to ChatGPT and ask it to do that, but I mean, that's a team. That's a team of people. You know, it is unfortunately. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the question that's the the fun ones. We talk about state as an as a real challenging problem. Oh yeah. And what it led to was a vast amount of engineering and hoop jumping to oh. create scale out distributed stateless right. architectures. Yep. But we there aren't really stateless. There's state. It's just you're managing state. Sorry. in a super complex way and you've got all the stateless goodness wrapped around it but you have to spend so much time building right. the the framework and building the connective tissue because you're trying to handle distributed infrastructure like right. it may be code but it's still it's actually infrastructure because it has to be scalable the whole purpose is like i need this thing to scale so i need to build the whole thing to be stateless meaning I'm moving state to a different part of the app where I then have to build a stateless architecture to be able to manage a centralized state. Eventually it's a centralized state. You just build all this goop around it. So let's talk about state management and the scalable approach and what is, how does a state, how does a state handle yes. states? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so Essentially, essentially, you can think of it as um, kind of like an evolution of Node.js, um, where Node.js has a database attached to it in memory um, on the same system. Um, it's it's kind of akin to um, it's kind of akin to uh, client-server architectures. At least that's the way you can write your code. 
you can think about it as a client server type thing. Um, essentially, uh, we use this thing on the back end called a uh, conflict. Uh, it's called a CRDT, um, which which basically means that every object that you store on the back end is versioned. Um, transparently so you don't have to you don't have to actually keep track of the numbers and things um and the way that it manages it uh is by number one making it so it's um you you, you can't you can't mutate it um incorrectly right um all the mutations are idempotent um and it's it, it's uh so you, you know how node.js is 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 one process right um this this system has two, and it's one that lives at the edge and one that lives um, as, as like a central storage mechanism. Um, I call it an app server database, basically, uh, the, the, the back part of it. Um, and that what, what I've found is that essentially it's, it's you're, you can write TypeScript services Sorry, calling them workers now. TypeScript workers um, that scale very well based on um, just the process, the processing around the worker itself. So, um, yeah, that's the way it works. It's funny that we talk about yeah services, workers. They're the two most difficult things you'll have in any startup, any technology, any anything. Pricing and packaging, that's always a really tough one, but even more so nomenclature. Like, what are you going to name this bloody thing? And and it's amazing how, like, we've trying to describe it in a way. And, it's, and of course, like you said, services is is tricky because then there's, do you mean services is in, like, microservices? You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so uh, I feel your pain on that one. Yeah. But really what matters other than the name of it is the fact that your you're building this thing to scale already, right. right? This is not something that's like, like I said, nodes has fantastic capabilities, right. yeah. but then you're in charge of scaling. You, the human, the developer, the systems engineer, or, yeah. and the lucky ops person that's going to support that sucker overnight yeah. has to be responsible for the scaling of that one. And I would say like the a lot of work happened in the last, especially in the last decade, where people thought that PaaS, like this platform as a solution, was like this was the panacea. Mm-hmm. We're going to solve it that way. And we had the like the pizza stack that was used to describe like infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, whatever. And I'll say platform as a service did solve a specific problem. But what it did was it mushed the rest of the problems that we were trying to really solve under the rug. And like, no, we solved this problem. We were we were super proud of that. The same way we are proud that we figured out how to get it to HDMI 2 on the right. boardroom TV. Right. Right. So we're excited that we solved this problem. But you're like, no, 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 no. What was the actual problem? Like, what's the what are we going to display on the boardroom TV? The presentation, the business that matter. Like, right. so we developed platform as a service and so I'll say code, applications, services, gotcha. Even if that stuff solved all that problem. Code is a way to get to what matters, which is data. Data ultimately is a representative of, you know, there's business logic and how we process the data. But the biggest problem I find is that even if you solve the code delivery problem, we then have a scalable data problem. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I feel like, I feel like 
20 years ago when the cloud was just sort of coming out um, about the time that I built, uh, I actually built a private cloud um, for a large investment bank uh, here in, here in the Northeast. And we kind of, to, to, to build apps that scale in the cloud, um, I feel like what people, what, what, what engineers kind of did is they just, they just sort of, sort of threw their hands up. And they said, "Okay, uh, you're going to have you're going to have a stateless. All of your app servers have to be stateless. Period. Okay, and, and they're going to talk to databases, and that's where the state's at. Okay, um, and you, you know that may be true in 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 some cases, but I don't feel like you don't have, I don't feel like you have to paint it with such a broad brush, right? Because because the thing is, is what if what if eighty uh, percent of your data is is reads." Right, eighty percent of your data is just meant to be read. It's just report information, right? Well, that doesn't really have to be in one stateful place, right? It could be in multiple places, easily cached, right? Um, and and that's kind of that's kind of what a state does is is it makes it so um, it gives engineers the tools again to say, okay, I. This data, it's it's going to scale um, vertically. <laughs> it's going to scale up, uh, and you have to you have to you have to think about um, how much or how much read write capacity this 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 worker has when you're when you're trying to when you're when you're calling methods on it and and you're getting data from it. Um, it's going to scale straight up, but you have to think about okay. Do I want to architect it that way, or do I want to break it up into a, a number of different pieces? Because that way it can scale better, right? And and that's that's what a state does is it, is it makes it so you can design as a software architect, you can design an entire system just using TypeScript and a normal TypeScript data model, um, and you can design it in a way that it will actually scale instead of just going with this this crazy broad brush approach of all of your computes have to be stateless and you know which which we've had to frankly we've had to dance around for for 20 something years now right with view state and all that nonsense you know what i'm talking about oh yeah pain pain felt uh pain understood uh, that's right so how do we how do we make people make the jump right what what is the what is the likely person that's experiencing the pain to a point where we can show them this as a solution and get them to get it like that? That's always the interesting thing is like a fantastic solution can exist, but we have to get people to like, as the classic sort of sales and marketing phrase goes, right? Somebody has to acknowledge that a problem exists. They have to acknowledge that they have the problem. They have to acknowledge that this problem is, if solved, would have a particular value, that you have a platform that's able to solve this problem, and that the value of the solution and the price of the solution hmm. line up, right? The price the price is definitely great because we're all open source. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I... Oh, and, and so that's always a funny thing too. People and people often get that confused. Open source and and free are often put together, but like they're obviously you you are starting a company, and oh, yeah. there will be a commercial model to be able to 
grow and, and support this. But because it's open source, you have the opportunity for many people to influence the innovation, which is super yeah. cool. And you, you've you're particularly good at getting into a crowd of people and getting them to like, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a second, like uh, I, you know, I've. I've heard of your your Reddit exploits, right? To be able to go into a room and kind of like get people to really like light up for a second. And like, that's that thing of like, now we need to get the person in the, the developer chair right. to like get angry about the pain they're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if a, 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 a new developer would would look at my would look at a state and say oh man i've got this giant pain um and 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 just jump on board i don't think they would because they haven't they haven't lived in the industry they haven't they i'd say after a couple of years maybe a year of of you know they're 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 in their website they're they're doing some react they're building a react component and they they're like, well, man, I don't understand why this use effect call um, is is returning. I don't understand why when I'm passing in this stuff to this URL and call making this restful call, and I don't understand why when it comes back, it's coming back empty. Um, you know, that's like an everyday thing, right? Or like an every week thing. That, that senior engineers run into where it's the integration points between one part of your application, which a lot of times is, a, is an SPA or an island or, you know, server, you know using using server-side generation or something. There's, there's, there's this side of your application and then there's the backend, this, this, this nebulous black hole of, of, of restful endpoints that you're, that you're calling into. And what, 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 what a state does is it takes these two disparate things and smashes them together, okay? And it, it allows you to um, have one single type system, okay, for your data model, where you have a backend data model that is also exactly the same on the front end, okay? So now, when you call a when you when you utilize a service and you call a um, I'm calling them workers uh, when you call a worker. Uh, and you call a strongly typed method, okay, TypeScript's going to catch that problem right there. It's going to catch it and say, hey, man, um, your, your backend code, you modified this method, this, this, this microservice over here, and you're, you're, you're expecting a big end instead of a number. Okay, that's what's, that's what's breaking here. And, and you get that as a comp, right? So that's the kind of thing that has to happen. Okay, for us to be able to compete with Chat GPT is we, we have to we have to remove all of those every single day um, pain points in the integration between the front end and the back end, and that is what I believe a state does very very well. Um, is you 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 write your data model and then you you use your your services you use your service you use your workers and you use your data model. Um, in the front end, and it all it all is the same type system. And when you make a change, um, the compiler catches it. So it saves a ton of time, right? Ton of time. Now, this is the interesting thing of as as, as somebody who's a, a a a hack developer at best, I get caught out all the time by not understanding the impact of a small change that I make because I don't understand 
comp sci, right? I don't understand software development. I understand code snippets that perform a function. And if I take three code snippets and put them together, it's, you know, it's like trying to adjust a, an image inside a table in Word. You know, you you press enter and suddenly seven pages get added, four paragraphs get deleted and in the distance sirens like that. That's how I do development. I'm a full stack overflow engineer. I, I copy and paste code. And people always say this there. That was the funny thing is the comparison to, you know, using chat GPT to generate code. People are like, well, this would be so much better than our engineers who are basically copy and pasting code from Stack Overflow and hoping that it works. I'm like, I'm not sure if you noticed how we trained ChatGPT, but it's learning from gluing together snippets off of Stack Overflow. That's literally what it's doing. And it's the difference is that it's not testing the outcome. Right. It doesn't go to the fourth comment down below going, oh, this no longer works with Ruby 3.13. It stopped with 3.04. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so it will generate code. You're like, generate me, you know, a a particular, you know, function in whatever JavaScript framework you want and it will do it. But it won't account for the fact that that's actually, uh, you know, that's deprecated code. Because it stopped learning at some point, or it has enough information out there that more authoritative seeming results pointed to one particular code snippet. So it will be influenced to give you back that answer. But you know, that's like saying the most popular thing is the right thing, not necessarily true. Right, right, right. And also, and also best practices change over time. That's right. Today's right. best practices are tomorrow's. What the hell were we thinking? <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, chat GPT is <laughs> if you ask it to spit out some react, I mean, is it going to, is it going to give you class-based react today? What? You know, it probably yeah. would, but so, yeah, there's, so. there's, there's a lot of that. Uh, there's a lot of that as a, it's, it's, it's a problem um, where, you know, in fact, if you notice uh, Stack Overflow, they just recently changed um, their 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 ranking, so you can sort it based on um, you know most recent upvotes. Now, I wonder if GPT oh right on yeah yeah yeah. So it's like the accepted answer could have been like seven years old or ten years old, where somebody comes along and they're like, "Hey, well, there's a new version. You don't have to take such crazy steps to do whatever." You know. So, and the other thing that I what unfortunately will probably come more is the opinion and the authoritative sensation that chat GPT says there is nothing more proud, you know, than a chat GPT answer. It is like, this is the solution for you. Like, of course it is. It doesn't come back with this may work for you. It's like, this is it kid. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And we, there, it has no, it doesn't give you like uh, like the weather, right? It's going to be rainy today, 80% chance of rain. It's not like 80% chance this is the code that's going to do what you need it to do. It's just like, here's the code. Yeah, here it is. Good luck and may your God go with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to... I'm going to go back to the beginning. As, uh, as James Lipton always said uh, inside the Actors Studio, says we... We start, as always, from the beginning. You have a penchant for solving difficult problems 
that most people are unwilling to solve. Yeah. A state does that. Yeah. Stackless as a company is doing that. You're not even just solving a specific, like a, you know, one specific DSL type of problem. You're literally, you're, you're, as a company, you're, you're, I know there's much more than just a state inside what Stackless will be as it, as it evolves. But what was, let's go way back. Way, way back. When, what was the first thing that you decided you needed to solve when someone said it didn't need to be solved? Man. Um, well, I tend to solve problems that are annoying for me. Um, and when I'm not satisfied with the extra workarounds, you know, well, you know, to, 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 to solve this problem, you just don't use that library, right? Well, that's lame. What if, what if that library has these extra things that I want and I want those extra things. So I'm going to go and do that. Um, the thing is with the state, what I'm trying, what I, the, what I solved is, is the disconnect between the code that you write and the services that get deployed. Um, so, so when you when you push your code to a state, it it actually um, reads actually reads your code. It reads your code and then generates the infrastructure and the architecture based off of the code. And nobody ever came and said to me, "Well, that's ridiculous." Why would you ever read just TypeScript and then generate infrastructure from that? Well, I did it because it's just an extra step that was never necessary, in my opinion. Because I, I'm not going to say I loathe DevOps, um, but I, I, okay, fine. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of DevOps, and I was stuck uh, when I was working for this um, this company that wasn't in fintech. Um, in uh, out here in the northeast um we needed to do this big cloud conversion right we were switching over we had this on-prem product made the company a lot of money um but we needed to switch it to web-based you know make it cloud scalable and all that kind of stuff um and what we had is we had a whole bunch of business developers that knew the business domain really really well um but what they weren't was aws experts and unfortunately, at that time, AWS, in order to really use it, you couldn't just be a hobbyist, right? You had to right. just get your teeth into it. You know, you had to learn CloudFormation and you had to learn Bodo 3 and you had to learn so many different, just totally irrelevant crap to be able to take uh, to take this business solution and turn it into a cloud running business solution that would scale and not cost you $25,000 a month. That's the real key, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, yeah, that's, that's what people often lose sight of. It's, it wasn't right. the, it wasn't the nerd problem we solved. It was a business problem we solved in a nerdy way. Right, right, right. So, so I guess to answer your question, um, estate sort of came out of that 
uh, frustration where me as a, you know, I was, I was one of the principal engineers at the company and I saw the developers that worked with me, they were unhappy. They were really unhappy because they just, they wanted to just keep working on business domain and the business problems and the app itself. Um, but then when, when people said, okay, well, um, you need to, you need to have microservices and you need to deploy those microservices and those microservices must scale and they must have their state um, and and they all must talk kind of the same language they must all use the same identity system etc 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 they just got, the developers got so bogged down in all the extra nonsense that they were just really unhappy so so what I did what I did is I made the giant proposal to the CTO of the company and I said look dude um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll design a deployment system that allows them to describe what their stack is going to look like in a little bit of code like this. And then I'll turn it into a whole lot of cloud formation like this. You can't see it, but it's like really, really big. Turns <laughs> it into a whole lot of cloud formation that, that I will basically write a Python at the time, Python to AWS translator. So they don't have to learn AWS. And the developers were happy. I wasn't happy because I was the one that had to maintain it. But after the fact, <laughs> after the fact, um, I said to myself, you know what? I think there's something here because the developers were happy because they didn't want to have they didn't want to get involved in the DevOps and the platform engineering. And and I sort of took that, I I, I took it so they so they wouldn't have to. And it was, I'm very, very proud of that work. And then that's essentially what I did with the state too, is, is from a, um, from a, from a platform engineering standpoint is I, I provide a platform so people can write just their business logic code in a way that makes sense to like a, any normal developer, you know, um, and it, it just deploys it and they don't have to worry about any of the DevOps minutia. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think if I were to talk to an AWS advocate, they'd say you don't need to do that. Just tell all your developers to learn CloudFormation, you know, yeah. or tell your developers to learn Kubernetes. And let me tell you something: a comp sci person that spends their time coming up with different, um, you know, cryptography algorithms, they don't give a crap about Kubernetes. Okay, and if they say they do, they're probably just saying it to stay employed. Okay. And, and I think, I think what's going to have to happen in a post GPT world is we're going to have to, we're going to have to learn to do a lot more. Each of us as a developer, we're going to have to learn to do a lot more and a state makes it so you can do a lot more. Yeah. And not and that, maintain all the scaffolding. Well, and that, that really is the, I'll say the, the driver and the basis for success of what Stackless can do and that you throughout your career have hit these seemingly, not necessarily, well, they, I mean, they are seemingly intractable mm -hmm. and mostly human inertia mm -hmm. intractability, right? This idea that people are like, they don't care hard enough about fixing that problem that they're going to continue to do this this they'll continue to do the hard yards and it's there's a thing called <laughs> right there's, there's actually a thing called the beta paradox which is this idea that if you go over the course of 
there's a point where you hit a threshold of you, I will no longer do this thing because I will take an alternate route to it. And the the easiest way to describe it is that let's just say it takes you, you know, you know, it takes you a, a certain amount of time, you know, to walk a two kilometer distance. And so if it takes you 15 minutes to go two kilometer distance or sorry, 30 minutes to walk two kilometer difference distance, you will live with that. But if it was three kilometers, you wouldn't walk it because it would take you 45 minutes and you'll drive because it's too far, but you're willing to do the two kilometers. But meanwhile, the actual benefit threshold you know, the cost benefit analysis is that you should have driven at 0.75 kilometers. And we as humans, unfortunately fall to this beta paradox continuously where we are, we do an uncomfortable amount of things before we hit that threshold. And I mean, it's part of behavioral psychology and behavioral economics as well. Like this was, you, you know, look through why loss aversion is a better driver than gain in in a lot of the heuristics around what like Kahneman Tversky came up with this idea that you in order to make a gain worthwhile to take it had to be significantly higher than the of uh, than the loss you would have as a result of not doing a thing so you if to convince somebody to do an action and you'll give them 150% of what they make today they are unlikely to do that action but if you say, I will take away 10% of your pay if you don't do it, they will immediately do it, right? So the the pain was way more of a driver. But so the gain is tough to explain to people. And that's why I sort of asked this idea of like, who's experiencing the pain today? Right. Because I think that's really, you know, that's why we use even that phrasing, right? Like it's about discovering a pain, being able to alleviate that pain in a way that the cost of the alleviation method is greater than the value you assign to the the outcome, right? Or less than the, the value. Like, so ultimately there's a margin for them to accept like, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to pay this because I can do that. And I think you're, I think people are there. We're closer than we were. If you came up with this, I'll tell you, if you came up with this four years ago, it would be probably less likely because people were still early in thinking that cloud formation or Terraform or whatever the solution du jour is, was going to evolve to solve this problem. But in the end, it solved a problem. It didn't solve this problem. And we just got so focused on that problem. We got so focused on figuring out how to get HDMI 2 up on the goddamn boardroom table <laughs> it didn't like the whole reason we did that was so we could do the board presentation to show that we are about to face a problem as a business. And like that, I think that's where four years ago it would have been more challenging, I'll say. But I, I think people are they get it. Mm-hmm. They're much closer. And so I, I really think you're well positioned, you know, to uh to to get people touching this stuff and using it. I think it maybe it's a two-step process. Okay. Um First, I want them to, I'd like them to learn about what this can do, one. Two, next time they ever have to, um, next time they ever have to use an ORM uh, in in TypeScript or Node or Dino, and they uh, have to have more than one data model, 
right? Where they have a document database and they have a, a property in that document database, okay? And then they have to plumb that all the way through, right? From, from Mongo or whatever to the intermediate layer to the Node.js and then to the front end. And then they have to put that in the view and they got to plumb that all out. And the very next time you do that, just, just remember to yourself, man, you know, all the, all the nonsense that I just had to do this, this, this 10 minutes worth of work, just add this one property. You know, what, what if, what if you could put it in one place and then you could document it? Okay. And that documentation shows up right on the client code, right in the client code in the, in the generated code. And then you just use it right in your view. And then all of a sudden, you know that the whole thing is plumbed, right? You don't have to write. It's like, some people might say, well, Firebase does that. TRPC does that. Uh, Convex does that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Lots of those individual ones do pieces, parts of what this could do. Okay. But this is the only thing that does all of it. And it's faster than most. Okay. Um, this is fully transactional. Uh, and, and most requests complete in under 100 microseconds, not milliseconds, microseconds. The uh, reason why is because it's written in C++. It's extremely fast. The backend part is written in C++. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, so let's all right. Let's nerd out on this one because this. Uh, I, I remembered there was a bit of a wave, and I mean there still is. Uh, when when GoLang was like the the new hotness, right? And everybody's like, yeah. oh, Go, Go is going to be the thing, and all these people are like, yeah, we're you know, Go is fantastic. And then it literally got to the point where people would. I saw I saw a startup one time, and they had their. Their pitch for their platform, I kid you not, the yes. second line in it says written in Go. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, because in the end, like, what's the actual problem you solve? But yeah. it's because, and the reason why they did that was because it did solve a specific problem. And like, I've seen all these examples. That's great. You can rust uh, as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. and it's, it's, it's sexy. It's neat. It has, you know, speed advantages. But there are also disadvantages that are obvious now or even ones that aren't obvious yet. Right. We go back so, to the core, right? See, though you've chosen to wrote this to write this. I'm sorry, guy can't speak English. You think I'm in marketing, you think I'd speak English. The, <laughs> you've, you've chosen to build a platform in a way that you aimed at optimization out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's only because I'm a I'm a big systems nerd and um, I, I needed it to be really, really fast. And I built it to be a, like a real-time trading platform. Basically I, I built it to those specifications. It's all event driven um, uses, uses a asynchronous um, uses asynchronous communication between the layers. But yeah, in fact, I, the first prototype I built of this, I built it in rust. It was pre 1.0 rust. Um, and the reason why I abandoned it, is I think like a lot of a lot of people I know, at least at the time, this was a you know a couple maybe a couple years ago. Um, Rust's asynchrony was just not it, you know. It was just not it, right? Because you know, there's in every language, in most languages, there's there's really two different ways to handle concurrency, right? There's um, well, so you have you have stackless coroutines um, in Go, which are really really nice. Uh, they're they're really great. Uh, I love I love Go. I'm learning. I'm I'm using it a lot in other things too. Um, but if you if you want to Google 
your audience, if you want to Google for the language uh, benchmarks performance game, um, it's it's this uh, project that's been around for a long time. And what they do is uh, developers will write an implementation of a, a well-known algorithm um, in like 10 or 15 different languages and then compare the speeds. And just for raw speed, Go is not it. Uh, it's not. Um, Rust, Rust is almost as fast as C, uh, but C++, uh, especially modern C++, just beats everything. And I, I beat, I, I wrote my C++ um, in a state. Um, I wrote it all using C++ 17 and 20. Um, and, and I've been writing C++ for over 20 years. Um, so there's there's no memory leaks um, and it's, it's, it's lightning fast because I, believe it or not, I actually wrote it like I wrote, write my Rust. There's no... There's no exceptions. There's none of that, none of that, none of that old school nonsense. Um, yeah. And, and I think this is the, what I really dig about, you know, you and I have talked in the past and, and that's why your the approach is generally as, and if not more important, I'll say, I mean, I don't I say it. The approach is way more important than the solution because the approach means that every other thing that you do will always be on the foundation of the right approach. And if you get told, Hey, this particular thing does not quite work like we need it to no problem built on the right foundation. We can adjust, right? We can add new capabilities. We can do new things, but if it's not built on the right foundation, you can't, you can't build an apartment building from a cottage. You have to build it like you plan to build an apartment building, but you're starting with one floor. And writing your writing a super fast, nifty little HTTP server in Go is fantastic. That's starting a the idea of building an apartment by building a wood cottage. There's first. a big problem there though that 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 I think a lot of people don't understand. I, I have done a tremendous amount of multi-language integration in the past um, between native languages and managed languages. Um, Go's a, you know, Go, some people would call Go a managed language. Um, I do know that uh, I did, I did look at Go uh, in the beginning as well, but the problem I had with it is I need to interface directly with V8, which is the JavaScript library that Chrome runs that wow, everybody had a V8. So yeah, right. references. <laughs> Everybody's using V8 right now and they don't even know it probably. You know, uh, it's every copy of VS Code has a copy of V8 inside of it. It's it's C++. Um, some of the most hardened, uh, most amazing code ever written. Not exaggerating. Um, that is C++. Its interface is C++. Um, the data engine that I use is called RocksDB. Um, it's the one that, uh, well, it was called Facebook at the time. Um, Facebook wrote uh, for their, you know, their their edge network, right? To to right. serve uh, to serve their Facebook edge nodes. Um, so I, I took I took you know an edge database, okay, and I took V8 and I smashed them together with this asynchronous pipeline that 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 makes it um, so JavaScript objects can be remotely accessible over the internet effectively. Um, 
That's yeah. a perfect meme now. I can have that Rocky meme where like the two arms, you know, like the arm wrestling thing, like V8, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you pulling these two things together and like there at the top is estate, you know, and like those, that. And those two things are actually written in C++. So it's like, okay, in, in if I were to write it in Rust, um, I would have to have um, a binding between Rust and RocksDB. I'd have to have a binding. And um, Ryan Dahl did a great job with Dino um, in developing an open source binding between V8 and Dino. Um, at the time that I started this, that didn't exist. Um, and also Rust, like I said, was a little bit in its infancy back then. Right. Um, hell of a good language, though. If I had if I had unlimited money, I would re rewrite the whole thing in Rust. Yeah, and I and it's always it's fun. I, mean, I, I feel no. bad picking on on Go just because it was it, in the end. You know, it's funny that we 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 see sort of waves of stuff come and go. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there, uh, but we see things arrive and leave let's just say uh or arrive and and you know blend into the background <clears throat> and i i appreciate that that those new things will come and they will find a very specific and distinct incredible purpose but in the background of it is like there is this foundation that's there and the same thing like so choosing to build your platform not just in the language that you chose to write it in but the reason you made those choices is actually the most important thing because then in the end, as you sort of move further up the stack of stack lists, as you begin to add additional capabilities and you begin to expand that systems thinking always will carry forward and is already built on a foundation where that has been pervasive. And that means that additional things you do optimizations have already been thought of at the outset and it's really difficult most people are just like i just need to like raw solve the problem then i'll optimize later right. right on just like every other problem where we say like let me just really quickly put this band-aid out there and then we'll actually rewrite the whole library to fix it and then what do you do four years later you see last code commit four years and one day ago and you look at it and the last code commit is a comment line saying we need to fix this but this will do for now right like you can't start a platform with we need to fix this later but we'll just do this now i really have a massive respect for the fact that you you put the extra time in in the way you approached it and you're delivering a solution that's based on that approach and and it's tough. It's tough to do this at the speed that you're doing. It's it's kind of wild to see. I've seen the, the pretty rapid evolution in like here's the concept, and here's it working, and then here's it working and, and scalable, and here's it working and it's public. You're like, good golly, like this is it's a thing. You got your Discord's lit up. You're like you're you have to set up the business now around it, while also like literally building the plane as as you fly it, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you only need one wing, right? If you just sort of lean, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. If you uh, if, if you could look at what's when someone someone says, "I want to try this out," what would you tell them is what you want them to feel 
as a result of using it? I want them to feel like the back end um, that I want them to feel like the back end is there to make their front end more useful. Right. Because because in the end, the front end is what matters to the user. It's it's the thing that the users obviously interact with. Um, that's why it's UX starts with you, <laughs> you know, um, the, the back end, I, I feel like the amount of dancing and, and, um, tribal knowledge that's required to build, to build a scalable, say Twitter, 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 good enough backend, uh, today is just, it's just not, not, not tenable. I just, I, I don't think it is. Um, you know, I myself know Kubernetes. Uh, only because I forced myself through a two-week uh, self-based training. I know there's a lot of other people that are in the same situation where you there's there's technologies that are extremely complicated um, that they think that they have to learn to be able to deliver business value. But I would like them to know that there's an alternative out there, um, and it's called the state, and next time they think they need well they believe that they need a microservice and they believe they need a database um and they need they think they need all of these different scaffolding building blocks um i think they should check out a state because i think what they would find is it does everything they need in most cases um and and in ones that it doesn't do you will know right out of the gate uh it's, a, it's like that thing that they say, like, great UX is not obvious. Poor UX is. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's, it's funny in a systems, you know, when you describe the problem you're trying to solve versus describe what you're about to do. And we often get caught in this thing of like, I'm going to build a shelf, you know, to do a particular, you know, that, that needs to have eight shelves. And you're like, why does it need to have eight shelves? Well, because I have, you know, a TV, a book stand or whatever. And, and like that, so you, you've already sort of like baked in the assumption of why you're doing a particular way. But if you then go to the store to buy a thing without giving them the context of the reason you're asking them for the foundation, like the products that are going to build the thing you're going to build, it gets lost. And I think that's the idea. Like I should just be able to describe the outcome I need to achieve. And then it will give me the Ikea, you know, pre-packed list. Like it's ready to go. In fact, we're going to, not only are we going to give you the, we're not just giving you the Ikea, we're giving you the Ikea and then we're going to build it on the fly. Right. So that you can do what you actually wanted to do was to make sure that you had room for your TV. It was high enough that you could put the glass stuff so the cats can't get it. And at the bottom, you can put your kids' books so they can reach it. That's, right. That's business logic. Right. I shouldn't care about how many shelves I need. I should just say, I need to have this, this, and this. Right. And the bookshelf arrives and builds itself. Pretty good. fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I also think that, that a well-designed system has to be predictable, right? I think, I think one of the problems that um, these types of systems have had in the past is there's just so much hand waving, right? With like low code systems, no code backend systems, like out systems and things like that. There's so much hand waving. 
It's it's uh, well, don't worry about that aspect of the system. Um, that's that's all just magic. That's all just taken care of for you. Um, this there's a little bit of a mental leap you have to you have to take, but there really isn't magic. It's it's you write your business logic in 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 I, I'm trying not to say the word class because I know <laughs> it's a thing that people don't like classes these days, but they have a use. Um, you write your business logic in classes and based on what you extend the class from uh, determines how it's persisted, um, how it can be used and um, whether you can call it remotely. Um, and it's and then there's no there's no extra boilerplate you have to learn than that. It's just what um, it's just how to use the different base types. It's data. Uh, worker and message and message is like service and events data is persistence right and workers are just like microservices where you get where you get a you get a handle to it and then you can call methods on it remotely um if you think about that it's like okay well in what cases do you need firebase over this in what right. cases do you need to stand up a mysql instance um the answer is probably not very often and this is way simpler than that yeah, and I think that's the the funny thing. It's such a perfect description is that like magic is not actually magic. The feeling you get from seeing it occur is magic. Right, right. And the difference between, you know, wanting to learn how to do things where you can suddenly make something appear magic. Or should I just like ask for that outcome? I want to turn a black ace into a red ace. Like, do you want to spend the way too many hours that I spend learning goofy things like being able to grab a card out of the air? Or do you want to just say, hand me a card? That's what appears like. So magic is the amount of effort you put into it. And I like the idea like that. We should just be able to describe the outcome and have the magic you know, air quotes for those people that are listening to the uh, podcast. <laughs> I need an air quote sound like beep, beep, air quotes. Uh, so the, this apparent magic, it just occurs, right? Because, and in the end, right, chat GPT and all these things that are going to supposedly solve this problem. It's like, chat was supposed to solve all the problems, write once, run anywhere. And it was actually yeah. just write once, run yeah. slow anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, write, write once and 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 run and look exactly like Java everywhere. Right. Because <laughs> then when everything's special, nobody's special, you know. Exactly, exactly. So there you go. And that's, so our disclaimer at the end is for all those people that are offended by the fact that we've trashed no code, Go and Java, well, the opinions expressed in the previous program are those of the participants and not necessarily those. <laughs> except, for, <laughs> except for Java. If you have a problem with that part, um, sorry. Yeah, exactly. We didn't really mean anything except the part about Java genuinely sucks. <laughs> Java, Java, yeah, it's, it's so good. Well, Scott, uh, this is fantastic. And look, we get a lot of that stuff that's neat. We'll have links down below because you're, you're, you're launching. This is it. Like, there's like a lot of big stuff that's occurring, and so people can get in, they can dig around. So, where do they go to find it, and where do they go to find you? Um, so the best place to go is go to github.com slash estatejs. Um, that's that's the best place to go. Um, uh, and there you'll find a Discord link. 
Um, and I'll be in Discord. My name's I'm Scott IRL in Discord. I'm also the same thing on YouTube. So if I, uh, when I start putting things on YouTube, you'll see see it under that. So, and I wish you fortune, not luck. Uh, luck is, I mean, there's, there's always luck, but as they, the famous line in rounder says, if this, if poker is just luck, why are the same 10 people at the final table every time? (laughs) The foundations there, you're doing what I believe to be the correct thing. And I really, I hope to see the benefits come and, and people driving it, like test it, get in there, try it out put in feedback. That's really what will drive this. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm a fan. So thank you very much for, for sharing the time. And, uh, and plus I love your, your, your handle. That's pretty cool. So as, uh, as, because we need to be a little bit more IRL, I miss IRL. Like one of these days we're actually going to go for like, actually have have dinner together. (laughs) We're we're probably not far from each other, which is, yeah, but we've been, we've been zooming for, for so much of life that, uh, uh, it would be nice, but Discord's a great way to find more people getting connected, and uh, and there's a lot of stuff. So there you go, folks. Get it, try it out. Uh, Stackless Estate JS, pretty fantastic stuff. Scott, thank you very much. And uh, for those that are, uh, you know, drop a comment below as well if you're watching the YouTube, uh, and if you're not, uh, you know, make sure you just check out what they're doing. It's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm.